My name is Vida, Sister Prince. Today is October 28, 1998, and I am interviewing Tom Dunn for my oral history project uh, on the riverfront. Testing, testing, one, two, three, you better work. Thank you, Tom, for your patience. Okay, um, where, where, <clears throat> tell me a little bit about your background. Where were you born? And where did you uh, grow up? Born in St. Louis and grew up, uh, I guess you'd say central west end of St. Louis. And um, What we know now? That mm -hmm. was, what, what year was that? What, it's uh, <laughs> night, I mean, how long, when was yeah, I born? when were you born? Uh, 1946. 1946, okay. So that's about 50 years ago. And where did you go to school? In the, uh, grade school, I went to a school called Barrow Hall, and uh, which, uh, at Maryland and Taylor in St. Louis, and um, went to graduate from a school out in Colorado, uh, Benedictine School, uh, the Abbey School out in Canyon City, Colorado, and graduated from um, St. Louis University. Okay. So why don't you connect that to where you are now, where the river? Did you have a, lo a love for it? Was this just a I job? Always I always enjoyed the river. I had uh, several other jobs prior to become, coming down here. Uh, for four years, uh, I was uh, a lab technician out of St. John's Hospital in the surgery research lab in the burn unit out there. And then also uh, uh, worked for several years. Uh, uh, well, I worked, I got in the river business. One winter, I uh, took a job as a deckhand on the Upper Illinois and Upper, upper Mississippi. That's a, they're always looking for workers and employees at that time because that's a miserable time to be on the river. So mm -hmm. it was easy to to um, kind of get into the business. But I thought I'd just give that a try and see what it was like. And, how'd you uh, happen to do that though? I mean, how'd you hear about it, being out in this That's a central? very long story, but oh. uh, uh, during that time of year, most of the most of the deckhands and so on in the wintertime just lay off or, or, or have other jobs or something. Because do they it, call it rocking? Rocking? Ro rocking, <laughs> so they told me that when they lay off, they... Oh, that, that maybe that could be the <laughs> okay. case. Uh, but I just did that. Uh, we were one of the first boats to get through the ice uh, in uh, February uh, up in St. Paul, and then uh, worked on the Illinois River uh, in March. So uh, just long enough to kind of get a feel for it, and then sit there and say, "Well, I'm not sure if this is the part of the business I'd like to be in." But it was a good experience. Uh, so that's pretty hard work. Isn't it? It's all right. The weather's uh, it's just, the weather's very difficult, and the um, you have to use twice the rigging as you would on a summertime job, so uh, you have to do a lot more physical work, and it, it's pretty risky because all the decks are icy and that sort of thing. So uh, when you weigh the uh, the risk uh, and all the other factors, it I figure well it was a good experience, but I wouldn't want to do it on a daily basis. Right. So um, I uh, used to know Captain Streckfist, Bill Streckfist, on a uh, socially and. He mentioned at one time that he was looking for people to work in his office uh, uh, at Steamers, where we they operated the Admiral and the uh, President in New Orleans, and they also had the Tom Sawyer and the Becky Thatcher, excuse me, the Tom Sawyer and the Huck Finn and the Sam Clemens here in St. Louis. So uh, that was about uh, 25 years ago. So I started working there and been there ever since. It's uh, gone through a lot of transitions from when I uh, started here, the Admiral was still steam, and we were just in the process of making the conversion from steam to diesel. Uh, we did the same thing to the uh, President Riverboat, uh, and then. Uh, okay. What that, what what year was that steam or what? In era? 19, uh, the winter of 73-74, they converted the the Admiral, which was the largest side wheel steamer ever built. Uh, it was hard, it was getting more difficult each year to get steam engineers. So, um, and also the equipment is showing some uh, signs of wear and tear. So it got to a point where we make a decision whether to continue with steam or uh, go to diesel. There are just uh, at that time, back in 73, there was only about three or four steamboats around. And so was, there just weren't any steam engineers other than much older men. And so there's not, not much of a future in it. Uh, the efficiency is not there. The horsepower is not there compared to the modern diesel engine. So they made that conversion and that uh, 
was a very successful conversion. It cut down our fuel consumption expenses considerably. And the conversion was so successful, we did that to the sister ship uh, down in New Orleans. Uh, the president brought it up here in the winter of 70, um, 77, 78, and converted that from steam to diesel as well. When you say there were only three, three or four steamboats, did you mean on the whole river? Or on the whole river. The, really? Uh, there was a Delta Queen, the Julia Bell Swain, which is a very small excursion boat. Um, Are you talking? You're talking about period, whether it's period. excursion uh, or. I mean things oh. like like steam locomotives. They're just you know you don't see steam locomotives anymore. You see diesel and diesel uh, engines. Well, were there steamboats with diesel engines? A boat's a boat, and what power is it? Okay, so you're just talking me? about the boat itself. Well, you have to. No, well, there, there, there are boats, and they are powered either, most of them are powered today by diesel, uh -huh. uh, or you can power them by steam engines, uh -huh. just like a locomotive. It could be a steam locomotive, or it could be a diesel locomotive. So um, we took the steam engines, we took the boilers and all that sort of thing off the boat. Didn't take them off the boat. We, we eliminated the paddle wheels on the boat, and in the area where the paddle wheels were, we put diesel engines, and we converted it basically from, from steam-operated propelled boat to uh -huh. a diesel-propelled boat. So, uh, uh, but I'm still going to ask my question just because when you see a, when I see a boat like that, the Robert E. Lee or something, I say, oh, there's a steamboat. Now, I don't know if that's... A, well, I'm just saying, so, so were there only three boats that were powered by steam or were left? Left. But there were... There were boats that look like this old steamboats. Oh, like that boat diesel. here. I mean, the, our Tom Sawyer yeah. and Huck Finn, Becky Thatcher boats, they uh, they were all diesel-powered boats. There were no steamboats. There were no steamboats. I mean, it's just... Okay. Uh, but there were diesel-powered boats. Right. I mean, I'm trying to think, oh, yeah, the, the, Bell, the Bell Louisville is still steam. Yeah, what do you call a diesel-powered boat that was... Well, if you ever look at official titles of boat, they have MV, motor vessel where a boat like the Admiral would have been the SS Admiral, steamship. So when you see the, uh, okay. uh, uh, when you look at the actual documentation yeah. of the vessel, it tells yeah. you right away, well, it's yes. just by the title, is MV uh, or is I SS. I asked Jimmy Swift what that was the other day. Oh, okay. What is MV? Okay, right. thank so you. So you can look at a glance, you know, it's uh, well, all of them basically are diesel boats. Uh -huh. Now they have, um, American Queen, which is a new, two or three years old uh, overnight passenger boat, has a combination of both. It has diesel propelled uh, drive units and also a paddle wheel, which is propelled by steam. What is the, can you tell me, um, since we're talking about, these are all excursion boats. When did the steamboat stop being a big, when did they all begin to just be excursion boats? Well, they, 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 I mean, you're talking about the passenger end of it, you mean? Uh-huh. Uh, actually, a lot has to do with this bridge right here in St. Louis. Once, uh, once the railroads were able to cross the Mississippi, uh, they first crossed up at Rock Island and then later on uh, here in St. Louis, and then uh, then there was no dependency on boats. The, the steamboats were competing with the railroads in the packet business of moving freight and people up and down the river. But once you could get on a train uh, in Chicago and come down to St. Louis or, and, and cross the river and, uh, and go even further south, uh, that, they became a direct competition. So they really, the, the, and they were more efficient from, from at least the passenger end of it. Uh, so uh, that's really what you know brought was the beginning of the end of the passenger overnight transportation means of trans transporting from one place to another, uh, from city to city. Uh, most major cities are on the inland, this on the inland rivers, or most major cities are on waterfronts, no matter where they are. Right. So, uh, so river transportation, uh, nautical transportation, is very important everywhere until the railroads came in. Once, uh, like the history of our company, our Gateway Rearboat Cruises was originally struck for steamers, which uh, depends on uh, what history books you look at. We either started in 1884 or 1891, but uh, 
Captain Streckfist could see that uh, he ran a small ferry boat up in Andalusa, Illinois area to Rock Island and so on. Uh, he could see that a lot of people were just going on the boat, not, not only to cross the river, but a lot of them just stayed on for the ride to go back and forth. And so uh, he could see there was just enough interest in people just taking a boat ride. They bought the old Diamond Joe line, which was an overnight packet boat business, and they did transport people for several years up and down the Mississippi. And But uh, again, you could see the writing on the wall that that was uh, the competition of the railroads was going to be too too difficult to, uh, to compete. So they basically went into the excursion boat business. That what, what year? Oh, I would say uh, they started changing the boats around. They had uh, four... Uh, of the Diamond Joe boats and they converted those to tore out all the state rooms and so on and made them wide open where you can carry more passengers on for shorter cruises. Uh, I would say that was in the uh, oh, late 20s, 30s. Uh, basically the heyday of, of, the, of the excursion boat business was probably in the, in the 30s. Really? Right. 20s and 30s. I mean, we had big boats here in St. Louis. We had the JS and the St. Paul, which, if you read the advertising, they say they can carry uh, two to three thousand people. Uh, two thousand, you'd have a boatload. But they were extremely popular here, and uh, the Streckfuss folks uh, ran the uh, JS, as I mentioned, the St. Paul and St. Louis. They ran the capital down in New Orleans, and in the winter months, they would be down in New Orleans, and as it got really warm. Keep in mind, there's no air conditioning back then. Right. Uh, they would take the, the, the capital up to St. Paul and operate about eight weeks up in St. Paul. But on the way up, it would stop at all the river cities along the way. Just they, like the big cruises today. Oh, yeah, but even more so. We went into every small town, every small town. It's almost like a traveling circus. You'd be in there. You'd have advanced, uh, advanced people going in, selling to groups and church groups and organizations and private charters. And he'd move to the next city and the boat would come in and everything would be ready to go for that. And they'd have all the tickets sold and all the billboards and posters. And, and they did that for years and years. Uh, they were very successful at it. Streck for Steamers operated the uh, Washington on the Ohio River, the capital in New Orleans and St. Paul and St. Louis, the JS and the uh, St. Paul. I mean, the, uh, the boats, the steamer St. Paul here in St. Louis. Steamers. Right. So... They were very successful, so successful that they generated enough revenue to, um, and keep in mind this was in the 30s, uh -huh. uh, that they were able to build the President, which they bought the, uh, the Cincinnati boat, which was an overnight packet boat, one of the last ones built, if, if not the last packet boat built. I think it was built in 1924. And in 19... Uh, I guess it was like 1929 or so, they bought the boat and converted that from an overnight packet boat to a uh, to an excursion boat. And what they did was they stripped it all the way down to about the first deck uh, and rebuilt it. It was the first all-steel boat built on the Mississippi. Uh, so, And it was very popular here in St. Louis from 1933 to 39. It was so popular, they thought, well, let's build a bigger one. So they built the Admiral. And they took the the hull of a, uh, a, a railroad transfer boat down in Vicksburg, and the boat was named the Albatross. Originally built in 1907 in Dubuque, Iowa. The, the Mississippi's very wide down at Vicksburg, and they didn't have the technology at that time to build bridges for that, that span of river. But later uh, in, the, uh, in the 30s, they were able to do that. And that retired the Albatross. It was once they were able to build a railroad bridge at Vicksburg. And they had a sister ship called the Pelican. Those, both those boats were retired, but they were so huge and so heavily built for railroad transportation boats that uh, the Streckfuss brothers thought that would be a good base to build their new boat, which ended up being the Admiral. So. Uh, and who designed that? Well, it. Uh, I mean, that's such. Wasn't that such an unusual thing at the time? In some ways, yes. I mean, for a river boat, at the time they were doing that, if you look at the transition of the boats, the old Streckfuss boats, prior to even the JS, the St. Paul, and the Capitol, but the transition of the steamboats, when you look at the JS, the St. Paul, the Capitol, the Washington, all the gingerbread and all the wood filigree yeah. and so on, wooden hulls, uh, 
but just like we today, they want to modernize and improve. So when you look at the president, when the president was built, it looked, stream, it looked very streamlined and very uh, early uh, that was dark deco that was type. before the Admiral. Before the Admiral. And uh, then when they built the Admiral, another 10 years went by, and so you could see a difference. Uh, Did you in, say art deco for the president? Well, it's a little bit, yeah, it's art deco for the yeah. president. Okay. No, no, it was more of a uh, early art deco for the president. Mm -hmm. And then the the, pre the Admiral was a late, what they call a modern mm -hmm. sort of uh, design. Very. Which, uh, when you see that in other industries. I mean, you look at the old steam locomotives, and then if you look in the 30s and everything else, they tried to, to streamline them, make them look modern. They put different sheeting on the outside to make them streamline. Oh, all right. Uh, we're doing our work on our docks, and now we're inside the Becky Thatcher boat, so it's a little <laughs> bit more quiet. Yes, um, thank you. So they try to streamline the boats, uh, the uh, like as we get into the steam engines and so on. There was a period of time where streamlining was uh, the the uh, trends of the day. And if you look at the streetcars, the old-fashioned streetcars, like and we did say the date. We did say the date. Uh, okay. Well, it was in the 30s. 30s. Right. Okay. Uh, if you look at the streetcars in St. Louis, the mm -hmm. old streetcars, yeah. remember the real modern-looking right. streetcars, well, the mm -hmm. same design as the Admiral. If you look at the diesel, like the Santa Fe Railroad things, all the kind of roundish design and so on. Do uh, you know the name of the man who designed it? Though? Uh, well, it was actually Captain Joe Streckfist worked uh, with a uh, with a lady by the name of uh, Maisie Krebs, who did a lot of the interior work, but I think she also had an influence on the uh, on the exterior of the boat as well. There was also a very unique uh, uh, ferry boat up in Seattle called the, boy, it was an Indian name, something like Kala Kala, uh, which had a, if you were to look at the boat, it looked very similar to the Admiral. And that boat operated in the 30s uh, in, um, out of Seattle over to Puget Sound. So they took a lot of those designs, mm -hmm. uh, with, you know, got a lot of ideas from that boat. And so they made the Admiral the, the modernistic sort of thing now. I mean, people come up to the levee now, look at the boat, and say, oh, is that a new boat? Yeah. They say, no, it was designed in 1938. It, it looks like it. I mean, it's a, and it's too bad that, that there's so much stuff in front of it that you can't see the lines. Right. A lot of people think it's very ugly. A lot of people think it's very interesting. A lot of people think it's very attractive. It just depends on what your tastes are. Uh, a lot of people didn't know that that was a side wheel steamer and uh, at the time they were trying to camouflage it where the old boats emphasized it by they having the big semicircle on the side where you could actually see it was a side wheel. Mm -hmm. Side wheel. There are two types of steamboats uh, basically the stern wheel boats and the side wheel boats. The uh, side wheel boats are a little more maneuverable mm -hmm. uh, but uh, the president and the admiral were side wheel steamers. So this was steam and then it went to and then when I started in the company, boy, you're in a working area, so you're <laughs> going to have okay. a lot of stuff going on that we can test. As long as I can hear your voice, I don't care what's in the background. Okay. So then it went to? In 1973 to 74, you have to realize that this was a steamboat uh, that in 1907 was built. Yeah. At the uh, uh, time it come where we had to replace the boilers and so on, so we had to make a decision whether to go with steam or diesel, and we decided mm -hmm. to go with diesel, which was a very, you know, made the boat a lot more maneuverable. By making it more maneuverable makes it more safe. I mean, the boat carried 4,000 passengers, and it did carry 4,000. Every Friday, every Friday and Saturday night from the second week in June until Labor Day, we had 4,000 people every night. We averaged 1,200 a day, and on uh, Wednesday and um, Thursday nights, we had anywhere from 2,000 to 3,000. Well, very popular. When I was young, I was one of those people on the boat. Right. I think every St. Louis <laughs> at one time or another was. Uh, and then I remember I took my grandchildren up mm -hmm. on the boat. So it, uh, it's always been a popular boat. It's, uh, it's been, the, you know, when they talked about gaming and everything, uh, the boat was, I don't know if you've been on it, it's a casino. It, you would, Way the, the huge ballroom, which was like 12,000 square feet of dance floor, I mean, just made a f ideal casino. It just, uh, mm -hmm. you would think the boat was originally designed for it. Another thing, though, when you think about it, um, St. Louis, we always talk about it as being this neighborhood and this neighborhood and this neighborhood, and everybody lives in a different place and doesn't get always get together. And I think maybe that was one place in a social atmosphere, you know? 
where there were lots and lots of different people. It's not. It wasn't a baseball game. It you know. No, people was, were interacting. It and just it became one of those things. I guess when you're growing up, you either go to the Forest Park Highlands, you'd go to the baseball game. Mm -hmm. uh, what was unique about the Admiral was the first riverboat to have air conditioning on there. It had the um, same air conditioning unit as the Queen Mary. There was only like four units of that size ever built. And they could chill that ballroom down to 65 degrees. Mm -hmm. So uh, the old steamboats, uh, that was, you know, why people went on them is they to get out of this. Like St. Louis has a lot of brick. Mm -hmm. So in St. Louis in the summertime, it was very hot. Mm -hmm. I remember this is a place, city which at that time all they had were fans and so you would go like on the president we always used to go north we uh, the admiral always went south because we couldn't get under each bridge most of the time because the boat was so big but the president and the JS the St. Paul and all those boats would cruise north in the morning and then get up uh, blow Alton turn around come back down again and then in the afternoon there's a southerly breeze that blow, blew through the decks all, those were all open-air decks there was no windows or anything on those boats but the Admiral was enclosed it'll be and air conditioned so it um, a lot of people came down just to get away from it all mm -hmm. we had daytime we had four-hour cruises people today won't go on a four-hour cruise they just they their attention spans when we brought the Bell of st. Louis we built the present the Bell of st. Louis uh, around 1990 uh, and there was a 1500 passenger boat and we used to put on a uh, we had a five-piece band on there and a floor show and so on uh, yeah, people just you know years ago people could sit back and relax put their feet up on the rail and just watch the scenery go by and, uh, and just enjoyed themselves well nowadays uh, they expect to be bombarded with entertainment every minute, and their attention spans do not permit cruise much longer than two hours. Isn't that this? That's I find this really fascinating. What so it uh, a whole different whole way different thing. It's, on the Admiral, uh, during the daytime we had a ten-piece band every day, and at nighttime we had a fourteen-piece band. Mm -hmm. Cost of that would be would be prohibitive today. Sure, it's not and that you probably long had though. good bands. Oh, we yeah. had the best. Yeah, the best through the years. I mean, all during the 70s when I was here, we had Bob Cuban who played uh, every night and it was had a very big following. And, and in the mid 70s, disco started coming in. In the 60s, uh, young people who tend to be the dating age and so on, the ones mm -hmm. we go out at night, uh, they were all into rock, uh, not rock and roll, but actually rock. And uh, kind of a drug culture where everybody just sat around, did nothing, people didn't dance at all. And so uh, once, as uh, much as people disliked disco or anything else, but it did get girls to dress up like they could tell that was actually a girl. Mm -hmm. And the guys would dress up nicely as well. Uh, did they have to wear a tie to come down? They did uh, up until like the late 70s when we were just fashions, you know, where young people yeah. just didn't wear coats and tie. But they were required, when I started here, uh, required to wear coats and tie in the ballroom. But we did have a rock band up on the fourth deck where mm -hmm. we could seat about 600 people up there mm -hmm. and they weren't required but if they wanted to go into the ballroom which was the air-conditioned area and so on um, uh, they would be required to wear uh, coat and tie but as, as as I said that was not the clothing sty styles uh, in, the, in the 70s with disco and everything else those open shirts and very you know yeah. you had to be we used to call it dressy casual. I mean, you had to be properly dressed to get But in. before, was it a tie and a jacket or just a tie? A tie and a jacket. Tie and jacket. Um, describe it for me on the inside. When I say describe it, you, you, you tell me now there's two ballrooms or two... two, two well, the boat had five decks. The five. first deck was an arcade where we had about 140 games. An arcade, okay. And, uh, and also we had the steam engines down there. The games? What kind of arcade games? games. Arcade games. Arcade games. Pinball like machines and uh, so on. Yeah, don't you remember? <laughs> no, you know what I remember? I, I have to tell you, I remember a huge ballroom. I remember walking around a lot. I remember the the bathrooms. I, oh, yeah. They, had the, they were fairly ornate or something. Very, they were yeah, they are very modern. People you always mention the bathrooms. But on the Is first deck, right? we had uh, the steam engines uh, and the machinery going, and so it's a noisier area. And we had a lot of, as I mentioned, pinball machines and games that the kids could play. But you what was that before they had pinball machines? That's what it always was. Always? Always. Okay. It was always a penny arcade on the first deck. Okay. Uh, and then, oh, they had, you know, session stands and souvenir stands. And uh, 
then uh, the second deck was uh, the ballroom dance floor, which they call the cabin deck. And then the next deck up was a mezzanine overlooking that. Between the two, we had seating around the dance floor and on the mezzanine for about 2,300 people. And then the, the next deck up was the uh, fourth deck, which had a promenade around it. And then uh, the restaurant was on the fourth deck, which was an open-air restaurant, which had a buffet and uh, the forward end. We could seat about 600 people and about 300 on the stern section. And then the top deck uh, uh, was wide open where we had deck chairs we were just out in the sun. And then, uh, of course, then there's a pilot house. Behind the pilot house, we have what we call state rooms, I guess you call them, but uh, we had enough room up there for about uh, 32 people for overnight accommodations if you need to. If we were to take the boat to New Orleans or something, we had uh, rooms, very small cabin deck for crew, which on a, on a steamboat, you call that the Texas deck. So when you, when you uh, did take it to New Orleans? Which we only did twice. Oh. It always stayed. Everybody thought the boat left every winter. It didn't. It always stayed here. And where did it go when it stayed? It stayed right where it is now. Oh, it didn't. It didn't go Never out. Never left. It didn't it go stayed out. right there. What happens is people just didn't come down to the rear front. If you don't come down to the rear front, you don't know that it's, that it's not here or it is here. Yeah. So, so it never it never left here. The only time we moved, it, took it to New Orleans was uh, the two winters we worked on the president up here. So the president runs year round in New Orleans. Mm -hmm. So the Admiral took on the duties of the president when we brought it up here to St. Louis. Hmm. That's really. So, uh, also during that time, the uh, Captain uh, Bill Streck was uh, seeing that the arch was being built and so on, that uh, people would be coming for shorter stays, uh, had built the, up at Dubuque, Iowa. There's a Dubuque border boat company. You're talking about tourists to see the arch? Tourists were going to come to see the arch. The arch was mm -hmm. not built yet. Yeah, it was in, 66, in the early 60s, I 64, think. I believe. Somewhere in there. And um, they built the Huck Finn, I believe, in 64. So uh, he built these the small replicas of the old Strectus boats, uh, anticipating offering one-hour cruises where people were on tighter schedules, wanted to go mm -hmm. to the top of the arch or had time to kill and go for a one-hour boat ride where they wouldn't have the enough time to go for a four-hour cruise or a three-hour cruise on the on the Admiral. The Admiral, uh, we had a lot of tourists, but a lot of by-state people as well. So, so the, do you see, I thought you said that the Admiral didn't go anywhere. It, the Admiral was a cruising boat. Yeah, okay, I thought you said it. Not in the wintertime. It, it didn't no. go anywhere. In the, it, it stayed in St. Louis all winter long. Okay, but in this, the good weather, you're telling me. It operated basically like the 1st of May until the end of October. Uh -huh. and, and it cruised? It was a cruising boat. Okay. It was an excursion boat. Yeah. Right. So it had to go this way? It could not go, yeah, it had to go south. It go down uh -huh. to Jefferson Barracks and back. It couldn't get under each bridge. Okay. Right. Uh, but the, the evolution of the boats were uh, the, built the Huck Finn, and that was basically to run one hour sightseeing cruises, anywhere from about five a day, to uh, to cater to the short-term mm -hmm. visitor, uh, and that proved to be very popular where we built another boat, uh, brought it here, and the, so we operated, and then we, which was the Sam Clemens, and then at a later date we brought the Tom Sawyer up here, and then, I mean, it's the evolution of the company, you know, uh, went through a, a series of stages in the 70s. Uh, in early 80s, uh, we ran into problems with the Admiral where the hull being going back to 1907 was the original hull, although it was uh, unique in that it was uh, boilerplate, almost a half-inch thick steel, where most steel hull boats are quarter-inch or so. But uh, it needed to be replaced, and that would, we had just spent several millions of dollars converting the President and the Admiral to diesel power. and. Uh, we could not afford at that time to put a new hull on the boat, so okay. we were forced to sell the Admiral, the President, and so on. And then in 1985, uh, John Conley out of Pittsburgh bought Streckfish steamers. And uh, just for the ease, the Streckfish steamers is well known in the river industry and uh, among the St. Louis people by the name of Streckfish steamers. But the tourists and so on uh, would have a hard time identifying with that name, so we. Uh, there's still a Streck for steamers, but we also went by the name of Gateway Riverboat Cruise, which we currently go by. 
being below the Gateway Arch, and our and Conley had boats in Pittsburgh called the Gateway Clipper Fleet, so it all kind of fit in. So it worked out really well. And uh, in 1985, he bought our company, and uh, prior to like around 1981 or so, we sold the president to our competitor in New Orleans, New Orleans Steamboat Company. But in 1980, uh, I guess it was 87 or so, we uh, Conley bought that boat back, and so we brought that boat to St. Louis. We sold the Admiral in 1982 or three or so to. Uh, to a group uh, predominantly run by Six Flags, which one of the partnerships, City of St. Louis, and a group of partners. And they decided to make it a dockside entertainment center. They took the steam engines off and so on. So that was the end of the Admiral as far as it was mm -hmm. being a cruising boat. Hmm. So to say it. I guess so. I mean, it's uh, actually... Uh, it's like the station, I suppose, being used. Well, it goes through transitions. I mean, um, uh, we sold the boat in... Uh, in the early 80s, and since that time, I was, what's really remarkable about that boat is the fact that uh, in this short period of time, probably close to $100 million has been spent on that boat, people having interest in the boat and trying to do different things with it, but mm -hmm. it's still the boat, mm -hmm. in which uh, there is no facility or anything that I'm aware of in St. Louis, which everybody could identify, has such fond memories of, to such a point where they would continue to reinvest and try to keep something like that going, uh, in which it has. As a casino, it's been it's been very popular and been very successful. You think it's because of the way it looks, or the people that just remember it? Or? No, I think it's because it's a casino. I mean, it was... Uh, I mean, if it was anything else, they true. couldn't have turned it into anything else, you mean? Well, I mean, they could build a boat. I mean, you, can, you, I mean, when you, put a, you put a casino somewhere, people will come. They could, you could put a casino in the arena. And, well, I was going to ask you to connect what you're saying about the Admiral to what's going on with the arena right now. It's if a very similar problem. Uh, the only thing is you have to find something to do with it. In other words, having it sit there and doing nothing mm -hmm. is not good. No. It deter it de especially on the river, things deteriorate at such an accelerated rate. If you don't, I mean, our boats, we have to paint inside and outside entirely every year. And um, so if they don't find a... a, a purpose for the arena, it has no use. Um, having it there rotting is not any good. Mm -hmm. It's better to take it down and, and re enjoy the memories than, than uh, have it sit there and deteriorate and go through a very negative phase. Well, then, how would you say this riverfront has, has uh, moved with the changes? I mean, well, there have been all these uh, studies. Uh, I've been on many committees where we had riverfront development committees and, and, and different uh, riverfront studies and and so on. And uh, of course, they do make it hard to see. Why is it hard to see? Well, they have, they just had it recently as an example. Each year, the city sends a delegation to one major city to another just to compare how one city, how some cities succeed and others don't, or what what we can learn from these other cities. And they go to the, all these other cities, and they all have active waterfronts. Um, but if you go to St. Paul, which has a more active than you're saying than St. Louis, some more active. They're active. Some of them, there's some cities that don't have active riverfront. You go to Kansas City. There is other than the casinos there. There is no activity on the river. There is no riverfront. Do you call this an active riverfront? Not, not at the moment. Not as active as it could be. The potential's there. These things go in cycles, come and go. But if you go to St. Paul, or if you go to Cincinnati, if you go to Pittsburgh, it's all pooled water. The river doesn't change like the. We have a free-flowing river. If you came down here four days ago. All the cobblestones are underwater. I was here. If you come down today, there's there's it. enough parking for a thousand cars. I know. I was absolutely amazing to me. And um, it's uh, it's in the go back four years ago or '93, whatever many years ago that is. Uh, I mean, the river was literally 40 feet higher than it is now. So you have uh, you you you're more your operational expenses are higher here than in other cities. Also, because of the levee situation and snow or icy conditions, uh, makes it difficult to uh, get people on the, on the riverfront safely. Your uh, 
the national park is the millions of people that the arch brings to the St. Louis area, which is great. I'm not, not taking it away from it, but it is a barrier from people coming down to the riverfront as they had before. Which it, but um, so let's talk about that for a minute because are you? It, um, you don't misunderstand me. I'm saying it's a physical, no, physical obstacle. Right. But I mean, you have to realize that millions of people come to the arch where millions of people would not come to see our no, riverfront. No, no, I, I understand what you're saying. We're not for the arch. Yeah. yeah. Oh no, no, we're not putting the arch down. Right. It's like people, I think, think they come and look at the arch, and and then that's kind of that's it, because it's big and it's. Well, it depends on what their interests are. Now, you you're writing, you're taking a recording. Somebody likes. You know, won't talk about the river because if you have an interest in the river doesn't mean everybody else does. No, right. And so right. Uh, you have to have things down here that are of interest to people. Uh, it, when I first started here, we had the Goldenrod Showboat, we had the Becky Thatcher Restaurant Boat. Uh, for a short period of time, they had the, the uh, Santa Maria, they had the Heliport, uh, the inaugural Robert E. Lee, the McDonald's, Burger King, all the things were down here. It made it more of a destination. If you were to walk up and down the riverfront, there were things to do and so on. But uh, but it's very difficult. I mean, the Goldenrod sh showboat didn't stay on the St. Louis riverfront, not because it because just the interest or the tenants went down. The city uh, over in St. Charles is aggressively, you know, promoting and selling that boat. And what I understand is doing very well, which is great because it's a great it's a great facility. We hated to see it leave the riverfront. It's a beautiful boat has a lot of history to it. Uh, the Robert E. Lee is going to be opening up next summer. They're going to do a lot of work on that, but it came very close to leaving St. Louis as well. Who owns the Robert E. Lee? It's a group of investors uh, that uh, had purchased the boat about a year or two ago, and uh, they're in the process of looking at various options and what cities that they could possibly put the boat in, and, and they've decided to leave it here in St. Louis, and they're getting support from the city of St. Louis to help uh, refurbish the boat, which they will begin doing this winter. And what will it be then? It will be the Robert Ely restaurant boat. Restaurant. But restored. And it will stay here. Mm -hmm. Which is good. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, uh, it, it depends on, uh, if I had a facility, let's say I had, say I owned Planet Hollywood, and I was looking for a site, I could build a dock and facility and, and have Planet Hollywood on the riverfront here, and it'd be very successful and be very popular. But I can have that same facility up in Laclede's Landing and not have to worry about what's the river stage today. Is it going to snow tonight? Or how do we get cars down here? There's no parking down here when the river goes up. Yeah. So all these things which are a major negative, it's very difficult to do business down here. So, um... Well, go ahead. No, that's just a fact. All right, let's take it back uh, to when it was. What did, Point me to a time, whether it's the 1800s or the 1900s or whatever, which would, when it was booming. So it's a different thing. In other words, that was the, uh, that was the main entry to the city of St. Louis. I mean, talking about the 1850s, there were 300 river boats in a day. I mean, docked down here. Mm -hmm. uh, I think they're on record or something. I mean, in a year's time, they'd be boats coming in and out here be as many as 3,000 departures leaving from the port of St. Louis. St. Louis was one of the major port of entry in the United States. A lot of immigrants came through here and so on. That was but the high point, wasn't it, around 1850s? 1850s or so. And again, as, as the railroads came in, that, you know, they took over that aspect. And the Civil War slowed it up a bit. And just like a perfect example, look how many people going on passenger trains now. The airlines, everything has a life. Mm -hmm. And you can be nostalgic about it as much as you want, but that, uh, that's not going to... Not going to bring it back. Huh. I mean, that's what you call progress. Mm -hmm. I mean, people ran, came across the country in stagecoaches, too, but they, those are gone, too. Uh, you don't see many, uh, you know, uh, stables around town. Or, I mean, I, I mean yeah. that, that's, that's you know, everything has its life. So um, people come down here, we enjoy our boats because we give a narration, uh, they give the history of St. Louis as it relates to the river. And we talk about the you know the history of the western expansion. If you go up to the arch, anything else, it shows how a major impact the mm -hmm. steamboats have had. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's uh, again these things go through different phases. I think uh, I think there's a greater opportunity for someone as long as they realize that it's going to be somewhat of a seasonal uh, 
operation. Mm -hmm. Even though you're uh, going, Robert E. Lee's open year-round, and the other restaurants are open year-round, but it's the summertime is where you generate. So you have to, you have to be very, very busy in the summer. I mean, to make it we go. have to, you know, you have to get uh, you know, about 90% of your business in about mm -hmm. six, seven months, and if you don't, you know, you got some real problems. Um, and and so your part in this through the years has been your actual job, what you've done. Right. Um, general manager at Gateway now, and our job is to, my job, among other things, is, uh, is uh, run the operation from food and beverage, uh, entertainment, uh, safety. Obviously, safety is very important in our business. Do all the marketing and advertising, but uh, again, we realize that if you you only had that window of opportunity each year, and if you could have high water rolls, we had a lot of high water this June and uh, made parking very difficult in the riverfront. That means people could not be in close proximity to our boats. You're not in close proximity to our boats. You don't have an impulse purchase. Yeah. It's an impulse purchase, basically. We have a lot of tour groups and so on, but a lot of people walking up and down the levee. It's an impulse purchase where the what happened to your boats in the 93 flood? What, what happened? Nothing. Uh, well, we got hit by the Burger King boat broke away and they hit our boats and knocked us up onto the arch grounds and so on. But um, it, uh, we were out of business anyway. It caused several hundred thousand dollars worth of damage. But uh, we're fortunate that uh, we survived. Were all summer. your boats right here? and mm -hmm. Just basic up the levee a little bit. We moved south a little bit mm -hmm. a year ago. Mm -hmm. But uh, we lost a whole season of operation. Yeah. You moved them up, and they stay there. No, we we our dock used to be up the levee a little bit. Oh. We just moved the dock down a little bit. Okay. okay. So, uh, but we moved down just uh, we had several leases along the riverfront. We just moved south. You said that you felt there was going to be a rebirth, or you, you felt there might be, or there well, could be. I mean, yeah. If, if someone, uh, I mean, you're right below one of the most popular national monuments in the country. Mm -hmm. um, I, I can't imagine. Uh, I think that, I think that in the months and years to come, I think you'll see a lot of re rebirth. I think there's a, re a new interest in downtown St. Louis in general, and uh, I think the uh, riverfront itself will, will be coming back. From what you know about this river and this harbor, would you say that this was a um, an area that pleasure boats came to? What's I mean, individuals pleasure boats? Mm -hmm. No, they won't come here. It's a free-flowing river. You can't. The other boats are on lakes or something. You can stop the boat and sit there. But stop the boat here, you're going still going four miles an hour in a direction you don't want to go usually. So uh, there was. Uh, there's also a lot of drift in the waters. Uh, the Missouri River, 60% of our water coming through St. Louis here is Missouri River water, which is very muddy. If you go up above um, Lock 27, I mean, it's, it's not quite as muddy as it is here. Mm -hmm. So uh, most of the water you see right here is Missouri River water. When they, when they named the rivers, they made a mistake. They, when they, they thought that the, the Missouri River was a tributary to the Mississippi and the real river went north. It's the other way around. The, the real river is the Missouri River going west, and the tributary is the one coming straight down from the north, which is the upper Mississippi. So that's really more muddy than the big muddy, huh? No, the big muddy, the Missouri River is the big muddy. Oh, I thought that. No, the Missouri. Oh. No, that, that was. Uh, boats, uh, the water coming down from St. Paul is not, not muddy hardly at all. Oh. Not as muddy. But the Missouri River is it's the big, big muddy. muddy. That's okay. where all the mud still come from. In fact, if you look out here, oh, he's yeah. out here today. There's a dredge. Uh, usually every day, just dredges out here and gets all the sand and stuff. But, so they really made a mistake. If had they had named the rivers correctly, that this would have been the largest river system in the world. Mm -hmm. But uh, they have two separate names. But the water you're on, that's under this boat right now, is the Missouri River water. Because hmm. we're coming in on the side of the river. So you're saying that this should be all one river? Uh, the Missouri and the Mississippi is all one river, mm -hmm. actually. But the way it's named, mm -hmm. the Mississippi, where it comes in above Lock 26. Mm -hmm. The Missouri supposedly stops up there. and This is a combination of the two rivers. Right. In other words, you have a 
Yeah, the St. Paul. Mm -hmm. well, let's say Omaha, Nebraska. St. Paul come down, come straight down. That's the Mississippi, and it keeps on going down. Mm -hmm. Well, the explorers and everything else, they thought that was all one river. The real river is the one that goes off like this, and this one here is a tributary to it. I see. But they named it all the one, the Mississippi, thinking that the Missouri was the tributary. But it's actually so it really goes, you're saying that that goes into the Missouri. Yeah, the Mississippi is, should Mississippi be. Mississippi goes northwest to here. It doesn't go straight north. It go, the real river goes northwest to uh -huh. here. But they thought that was a separate river, and it's not. It is yeah. the main river. So this would be, what we're on now would be the. would be the Mississippi, but they should have named the Mississippi all the way out, going out to Omaha or, mm -hmm. or out to the Dakotas. About 20-some-odd states dumped their river, all their water, into the water we get through here is coming from whole northern part of the country. Yeah. And uh, so when we when we have storms here in St. Louis, it really doesn't affect us. I always look what the storms are doing in Kansas City. The other day, you know, like a month ago, we had we had 10 or 11 inches in Kansas City. Well, that brought the river up to the sidewalk here, and uh, the river went up uh, like 11 feet in one day. And the river, the levee here, to a ratio of one to seven. So. Uh, Cobblestones, 70 feet of cobblestones went over, went up over in one day. But, uh, but it was sunny and nice here in St. Louis. Tell me about segregation down on the river. Um, you mentioned the St. Paul. Mm -hmm. uh, St. Paul and the JS steamboats. I, it seems to me that uh, I did some interviewing in the African American community mm -hmm. in the past four or five years and. I believe, um, when you mentioned the St. Paul, that the St. Paul on like Monday nights or something was. We have to remember open. that these boats reflected the community in general. Right, of course. So uh, there were certain nights that uh, where the African community well, they had their own particular entertainment and so on. I don't, I'm not sure if the entertainment on the boats, uh, the bands and so on, uh, really uh, catered to that market to, to start off with, but when they when they, they, they could have their own charters and so on. I might mention uh, uh, Stratford Steamers. Uh, well, going back to the Capitol, and there's another boat called the Sydney that used to operate in the, in the 20s and the teens. They used to go up and down the river, and all the musicians we had on the boat were black musicians, mm -hmm. the best black musicians probably ever to, to be assembled. Mm -hmm. uh, Louis Armstrong was a young man who worked for our boats for four years as, as a trumpet player. There's mm -hmm. pictures in my office. And, and uh, they would they would have uh, trips coming into a lot of these small towns, but they'd also have certain nights which were for the blacks, mm -hmm. and uh, the music was entirely different. In fact, the black musicians used to love to play, yeah. too, because they sat there and said, "Well, we can play the music we because they got a better response from the black sure. community than they did the white community." Uh, but uh, but the boats reflected the, the, the state of the times. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know. You know, so. Um, but you know that uh, there were certain nights. Usually, I think it was like Thursday nights. Depends on the company too. Different boat companies had different events for certain cruises. When I ask these questions, it's not to pin you down because no. it's the Stratford's company. It's just to get a sense of the history. And of course, you did what? Well, a lot of boats have said no, no blacks at all on the boat. Mm -hmm. But but well, you don't even. Have, I mean, just generally speaking, mm -hmm. blacks did not come on the boats except on those nights. I mean, everything was segregated, right. so it, that's, that's, I'm just trying to... Right, and the, but there were, there were also boats operating on the river that had no nights for No wine. nights, right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah. uh, and, and not only that, it's just like, uh, there are certain events, I mean, there are certain things that, uh, even today, that certain blacks have no interest in whatsoever, and the same with the, the white community, mm -hmm. that there are certain black events that which the the whites have no interest in. Mm -hmm. I guess it just depends on what you try to do. As an example, I mean, we, in our, in our marketing of our boats, there are young people, there are old people. Mm -hmm. There are, you know, white folks and there are black folks. There are tourists and there are conventioneers, there are corporate. You have to, there's all these different markets. I and mean, you can turn on your TV and you can see ads and you can tell who they're marketing to. Mm -hmm. towards. Mm -hmm. When you have, when you have, um, What's his name? Uh, uh, the announcer, uh, uh, Art Linkletter, talking about insurance. Well, he's talking to the older market on the TV set. Mm -hmm. 
he, I mean, somebody who's 25 years old isn't going to. But meanwhile, you switch the channel, and there's a little mm -hmm. tiny kid holding up something from McDonald's. He's trying to sell the little child there. Mm -hmm. If you sit there and you turn on another station, they're having rap music, and they're going after the black market there. In other words, it's various markets, that, that, and that was true even on our we even true on our boats. Now we have we have certain cruises which we sell on certain radio stations that. Uh, if you want to advertise on KMOX, predominant KMOX is advertising to women who are probably uh, 35 to 65, mm -hmm. a little bit on the older end. I'm not going to tell them to come down and go on a rock and roll cruise, mm -hmm. but I will tell them to go on a lock and dam cruise. We have KISS radio station, which is a, I would say, a middle-aged, not middle-aged, I would say, well, I'd say 30 to... 55 black market. Well, we have we advertise on that station. We have music for them in that particular cruise. We would have uh, we have uh, rock and roll cruises. Well, I'm not going to advertise rock and roll on a, a senior citizen station. I'm going to advertise on a rock and roll station, and the demographic for that station. As your advertising do, does it? It does well. Yeah. yeah. Well, we did that all the time, even on our uh, when we had the president. We had international nights. I mean, we had uh, one night would be a Mexican night, one night would be a French, another night would be German, and so on. We had, I think, but you'd have to actually, uh, you'd have to find out who your market was. Oh, my goodness. What's that? What is that floating down there? Hmm? What is that floating down there? Oh, it's just somebody's refrigerator, I guess. <laughs> Goodness sakes, that could be dangerous. Well, I've, I've seen whole barns float by, and every once in a while you see a cow or a horse. Oh, my. And then a few days ago, we had a body go by. You're kidding. No. But that's, you see about one or two of those a year. It's big, this is a big river, and we're in a big city. My goodness. Well, tell me what I need to... Yes. I'm not even sure where where you where are you going with this. I don't understand what you, what your I mean. What is your focus? Well, that's a good question, Tom. That's really a really good question. I mean, because uh, you're talking about a whole industry, a whole history. I mean, there's mm -hmm, just I mean, mm -hmm. you could take any one of those. That's segments. right. You can take all the. You know what you should do? You should Tell buy me. a book. It's called. Um, um, it's by Hunter. I forget what his first name is. I say Julius Hunter, but that's the announcer. Yeah, right. It's um, Lewis Hunter, mm -hmm. and he has written a book uh, on the history of steamboat. And he takes—I think it goes up to—I don't know how much year it goes up to—but he takes every. If you, that is probably the best book ever written on the, about the, this industry. It takes the machinery. It mm -hmm. takes the people. It takes the advertising. It takes the marketing. It takes everything. In the history of it, in the in the, in the transition mm -hmm. through the years, you read that book, and you, you read that book, and you'll have a very good understanding of the name uh, of it. Is um, I have a copy in my office here. It's um, well, we'll go look when I leave. I'll tell you what happened to me. I was reading a book called Rising Tide, mm -hmm. which was the history of a 1927 flood. New Orleans, and mm -hmm. uh, I got interested and was told to come down here and go to that area which is south of McDonald's, the barges over there. And I started going over there and talking to people, mm -hmm. and I was working my way this way. But I found that fascinating over there. There's a handful of people that used to do business on the river, and it's they're still there. Some do a little. Some mm -hmm. just come in and have a little office. And I got interested in that way in people. So um, then I really might just be doing an oral history on people who live and work on the river. Mm -hmm. uh, and it might be that just that simple. And everybody brings in their knowledge and their right. And it's St. Louis, and it's this piece of levee. I, I mean, to, to do a, for me to do a history of, of steamboats is, uh, has been done by people that are more knowledgeable than me. But um, the, the 1940 era here has not been done so much. It's hard to find people that know anything about the 1940 
era. So well, the 40s were not really the best years in the, in the, in the, when we were at war. Right. Um, I mean, people's focus and attention. The Admiral still crewed. I think only one year, 1945, did it not cruise. Mm. Uh, they even had a hard time getting paint for the boat. They painted the boat every year. and uh, uh, but, uh, but it's still, you know, people still need to have entertainment. Yeah. And people, that's one thing people will do is somehow they will find a way to get their entertainment dollars. They might, uh, as I mentioned, the 30s where people were just going from hand to mouth and everything else, but strikefish boats were still extremely popular. You, I mean, a boat ride, you can go up to, I have flyers that where you take a boat ride from St. Louis to Elsa, Illinois, mm -hmm. and back in one day. And it was, uh, you get back, uh, I think you leave around 7 in the morning, you get back at, Oh, late in the evening, and it was the fare was a dollar seventy-five, and that's with the music and entertainment and so on. And they had a small print that the boat is fifteen minutes late getting back. You get twenty-five cents back. Well, that's a huge amount of money to get yeah. back. I mean, you think of percentage wise. Like pizza, you get it free if they don't deliver it. They didn't have pizza back then, <laughs> right? <laughs> so. Um, Marketing it, is marketing. <laughs> right. It's just that, uh, you know, and years ago they go down to St. Genevieve. People be, sometimes the ladies would bring two sets of clothes. The clothes were to wear dancing at night. Yeah. Uh, but that's just times have changed. Well, you see, also, as a person who's not knowledgeable about the river or, you know, just, I come down here and I see the shape to me that it's in. You know? And it and, amazes and me. What, what, what well, shape and what? What well, the shape it, of what? The shape of everything. I mean, it's it's um, for a city like this. For what this used to be, um, I, I see the arch. It looks like they stopped there. You know, they've got it cleaned up here, mm -hmm. up to here, down that way. Where I'm telling you that I started interviewing, I couldn't. I mean, I couldn't believe that. Uh, the, the levee that was is, is in disrepair and it's been that way. It's always been that way. Well, why? I mean, I don't understand why. Why, why nobody but, takes but, care of that part? Well, of for it. one thing, just to clean this part of the levee is about seventy or eighty thousand dollars a year, yeah. and that's where people are coming down. People don't go down. It's an industrial area yeah. where people drive their cars and walk on their There's, if you, I mean, well, who's going to I, pay well, for that? Well, then I saw some. So, oh, there's. Then I saw some, uh, um, I got, see, it's, it's the progression of somebody, of somebody naive like myself. Mm -hmm. Then I, I go over but there. You can't be idealistic. It's, it's, well, it no, has no. to be business. I, I mean, it has to be, in other words, the right. riverfront is, the reason there's no boats here is because, for, because they could not make money here. It's real simple. Mm -hmm. it's, I mean, it's, if, somebody, if, if somebody can make money here, there'll be boats here. If somebody can pay their bills and pay their employees and pay their suppliers and provide people a lot of entertainment, they will do that. But if they can't do that, this is, this is not a charitable uh, institution, the riverfront. It has to be like any party, it has to, like downtown St. Louis. It has to be profitable. That you, and one attracts the other. It's a mall mentality. If you have a store out in the middle of a, um, a huge parking lot all by yourself, you might get a few customers, but if you're there with a whole bunch of other stores, then you're a destination, mm -hmm. and more people come into your place because they're also seeing, they will, they're, they're looking at the mm -hmm. other attractions or other stores mm -hmm. as well. But they have to be profitable. I mean, that, that's 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 the American way. That's business. Well, I suppose it's. it's you can't it's, be idealistic. It yeah. has to be has to be profitable. I suppose, and you're absolutely right, and you make good sense. I think what what's happening to me is that I. I just go and talk to people, you know, and I found some young people who had some pleasure boats, mm -hmm. a couple of them. Right there. Mm -hmm. uh, and I interviewed them. I just, they talked to me and they said they never saw a place like this. And, and In what way they never saw Oh, they like said it, it was it, it, the, the stuff that's coming down. Let me finish because mm -hmm. I know what you're going to say. The stuff that comes down the river, it's so dangerous and it's no marina. Mm -hmm. And... Um, uh, most places have. If you came down here two weeks ago, you'd see literally far, far as going down the river here. So, so. Um, I'll show you a picture you, in my office before you leave. Yeah, I want to see your pictures because I understand you. you know, well, I don't have them all in my head. I moved from a, to a bigger office to a smaller office, so I, not, I don't have all the pictures that yeah. I used to have on there. But, but, but um, uh, 
they said it was dangerous to, to walk from where they walk, you know, from where they were, where the fire boat is, mm -hmm. you know what I'm talking about, mm -hmm. and over to get something to eat, and it was, you know, they could smell the marijuana, and they could, and so then they, there was a very large, expensive boat that, mm -hmm. that I also talked to, and he had the same, he had the same thing, and I said, well, you know, what are other places like, and he said, I've never seen anything like this except one other place, and he's, I said, where, and he said, third world countries, so then somebody said to me, well, they, they shouldn't be here. This isn't a place for pleasure boaters. And so I, you know, I have no idea. I'm just no, talking. Pleasure boaters is a, is a physical problem, not, not an environmental problem, because the problems that you just related just now are problems to anybody would come to the rear front if they felt unsafe about going up and down the streets, whether you're going to a pleasure boat or a restaurant boat or a casino boat or just walking Well, they were the saying that they didn't make it uh, inviting for pleasure boat people to come here, but they wouldn't come well, you back. See, it, a, it, so, so tell me. First off, that is not a that, is, that facility. Uh, if you go up to Alton, if you go to Alton, they have a marina there, brand new marina, which is state of the art. But it's in pooled water. Mm -hmm. I mean, I could throw this cigar in the river, and it's going to sit there. I throw the cigar in the river here, it's three miles, it's going to be three or four miles an hour. It's you mean gonna, you throw it in that pool, it's going to Right. Sit I'm up in Alton and I throw that cigar in the river, it's going to sit right mm -hmm. there. A little bit. I mean, it'll move a little bit. You throw it in the river here, it's, I have to run down the levee to get it. But you have an environmental thing here where uh, if you built a marina like that, uh, you're on a bend here. It's, 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 a, it's a physiological, difficult place to put a marina. True, there'd be a lot of people who would like to tie off their boats here and go to the events and so on. That's fine. It's a, it's a physical problem. And also, it's a profitable problem because you have to charge somebody something like that. And to maintain a marina on the riverfront here is going to be more expensive. That, 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 that marina that's not even a marina where you were talking yeah, about that's they're they there say. anyway that's a that's a work boat area as you can see by mm -hmm. all the, mm -hmm. the mechanical and machinery and supplies there it's a supply area in which you put a couple of docks where somebody can tie off a dock mm -hmm. but that's not a marina no they were that's what they said it wasn't and and it, it was it's interesting to me n it's, not, a, it's not, a physical problem yeah that just the way this is But you know what I mean? It's going to cost maybe millions of dollars to build a marina for those boats, but they don't generate enough revenue to pay mm -hmm. off the expense of building such a marina and maintaining such a marina. I mean, that's the reality of it. Because of where this is? Because this is the, yes, because just like if you're moving in and out, I mean, the, uh, uh, I mean, you, you can't, I mean, where, where would you put it? put it up above the Ashley Power Plant. That's mm -hmm. where they originally talked about a marina. Well, he said it's all commercial here. And, and so, uh, you know, it right. is all. This is, I guess, a commercial area, mm -hmm. except for what you've got right here. Well, this, this is, is a commercial. commercial. This is That's commercial, commercial this too. Is commercial. Yeah. So, well, he was thinking this big business, or business, rather. Well, it, it's, it's... I'm just saying it's, it, mm -hmm. it, it's business. And, you know, you can pick up all the history books and everything else and talk about the, the lore of the Mississippi and the, the history and the, and the legends and the stories and everything else. But keep in mind, it's a business. It all comes down to the dollar. No, it's, I mean, it's, it's a livelihood. You don't, make, you don't make a living, you don't live without being able to generate revenue to buy things and sustain yourself. Mm -hmm. I mean, be that, you can say that, you can say that about every, every, there are people who love fire trucks. There are fire truck groupies that just chase fire. They think they know the history of the fire trucks. They know all that sort of thing, but it, but there's there's the economics of a fire trucks. I mean, there's the economics of a city supporting a fire department and so on. There are people who are, are who are, are railroad nuts. They go to a railroad convention. Everybody wearing all their crazy badges. Know every every, every steam locomotive and that's a two four six and all this sort of all these numbers and things. They all have their fascination, but but the railroads, it's a business. I have friends of mine who are in the railroad business who also have very, very knowledgeable and know a lot about the history of railroads, mm -hmm. and they can reminisce about the, the days of the old steam locomotives and so on. But keep in mind, the reason there are no steam locomotives anymore is because it was not economically 
feasible. The reason there are no more railroad passenger trains anymore, other than the government, which are Amtrak, it's not re economically feasible. One last question mm -hmm. for you. Um, are you the kind of guy that would go out on a four-hour cruise and well, I do all the time. And, and just take a look at the... Well, I, I go over to... I go over to uh, uh, Louisville, Kentucky, and get on the Bell Louisville and go for a four-hour cruise where they have an old-fashioned band, and, and that's an old steamboat with old steam engines, and they have the buffet table right by the steam engine with a paddle wheel turning and everything else, and you carry your food up the stairs, and, mm -hmm. and you go up on the top deck, and they play the calliope, and you get the steam in your face from the calliope. Oh, I do it all the time. I, uh, there's a boat up uh, just about uh, oh, a couple months ago. I was up in, um, I mean, in other words, I like boats, I mean, that's, but I'm, but and you but like I, the river? I like the river, but I mean, you have to be realistic. I mean, you can't, uh, I mean, you you know, you can't stay in business just talking about how, if it's if it can be as nice and as relaxing and as fun as it is, but if it's not economical, that boat's not going to be there the next mm -hmm. week for you to enjoy it again. Mm -hmm. I went up on the uh, Joey Bell Swain uh, a couple months ago, which was a steamboat uh, um, up in um, La Crosse. And... It's a beautiful little steamboat, and uh, for, we went up there for a private party they had. It was, it, it was very enjoyable.